You're listening to Just Asking, a conversation about human sexuality and how to approach it with intelligence, understanding, and compassion. Hi, you're listening to Stephen Ng, and I'm talking to my friend Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Hi. And I want to invite everybody who's listening to tune into conversation about sex in a way that you may not be able to have in your own life, but you can at least join us uh, virtually. And if you care to join us, you can even uh, send us uh, an email or something else. We'll give you some information at the end of our podcast. But uh, Jackie, I understand you had something you wanted to talk about. So have you seen the new iteration of Queer Eye? I have. And you want to talk about that? I do. I want to talk about that, but in a bigger context, because it reminds me of what you, when you talk about the importance of male friendships, and it seems like all of this kind of goes together. Yeah. I can. Do you mind? I want to interrupt you because I want to talk about something too. I just read a Dear Abby thing this last week that really actually disturbed me. And a lot of times I find myself agreeing with uh, the advice that's given. Sometimes I don't agree. Okay, a lot of times I don't agree. <laughs> but I was especially troubled by the conversation she was having with one of her writers. And I, Do you mind if I share that with you first? Go ahead. Okay, so this gal uh, is writing Abby about, and it's just this last week, about being a 29-year-old female and still a virgin. That's her opening sentence. So uh, I knew that you had some experience with virginity, no matter how long ago it was. <laughs> and I figured that we could talk about this because she says that her decision to remain a virgin was based mostly on her religious beliefs, but uh, also because she hasn't met the right guy. And then she goes on to say, rather than feel proud of my virginity, I feel ashamed. At this point, I'm worried that if I tell a guy I'm a virgin, I'll be rejected. Throughout my teens and 20s, I believed that waiting for Mr. Wright was the best route for me. Now that I'm older, it's become a constant weight on my shoulders. And then she talks about a guy that she met. And finally, she concludes, I'm concerned about my future. I'm afraid I won't meet the right guy and that I'll make a bad decision with the wrong guy. Any advice or words of encouragement? And Abby's... Wow. Yeah. I mean, that wow. So 29, she's still a virgin. And uh, already I'm having trouble reading this because I'm thinking, okay, that's that in itself is somewhat unusual, but not outside of the realm of human experience. I mean, some people just wait uh, to have sex until until they don't. Sure. And that that seemed okay. But the thing about the virginity, it wasn't so much about the waiting. It was about that that very important tissue we call a hymen that seems to have so much symbolic importance. Sure. But you know what jumped out at me on this is when she says that she's waiting for the right guy to give her virginity to. Um, so much pressure on that guy <laughs> at this point, right? I, I mean, feel for him. I, I think it's, you know, I, I did wait. I, I gave my virginity. I don't say lost. I say gave um, when I found the right guy. And so I, I do understand. Granted, it was, you know, a decade before what she's talking about, but it's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure on him. Well, and it's a lot of pressure, I think, on her, to be honest with you, because the right guy, I mean, it allows, to use a baseball metaphor, in your first at-bat in the major leagues, you can't make any mistakes. Right. You have to hit a home run. And that just seems like 
an impossible thing to do for just about anybody. And I do know that there are people who maintain their virginity till they get married and then they live together until they die. And I know that that happens, of course, but the odds of that happening for any of us seem so long, particularly in light of the fact that we as a civilization, although we pay lip service to the value of the family, we really don't teach young people anything about how to do family successfully. And so uh, just regarding the, the, the subtopic of meat selection, how am I possibly going to do a great job of picking a mate by a reasonable time, let's say sometime before 80, how am I going to pick a mate that is actually going to a mate who is actually going to be my partner for the rest of my life in a satisfying, rewarding way. And, oh yeah, what if he becomes an alcoholic 10 years later? Does that mean I picked the wrong guy? Does that mean I'm obligated to say? Well, this thing with virginity, Abby goes on to say, all single people face the dilemma you are facing at one point or another. Too often they make painful mistakes that they later regret. Well, Okay, I gotta read. I gotta keep reading. <laughs> you, however, dodged a bullet. Virginity is a gift that can be given only once. Uh, Rather than feel disappointed, be glad. Be glad you didn't waste it on a man who is already in a relationship and has two children to support. You say you're religious. If that's true, have enough faith to believe that you will meet the right guy at the right time. You might benefit by talking with your spiritual advisor, and if that's not possible. Get to a psychologist who can help you regain confidence in your judgment. Um, this business about the right guy and you dodged a bullet, all of this, this like line by line is very disturbing puts to me. It's a lot of pressure. It puts a lot of pressure on her. <laughs> too much pressure? I think too much pressure. <laughs> I mean, what? It, no. Well, isn't adult life, as, as in teen life, isn't it about making mistakes that you bitterly regret? Well, uh, because that's how we learn. Right. It's funny. We've t I've talked to some of my friends. One of my friends had a, her son was 22 or 23 and had never been in a relationship, um, never in high school or anything. And he met the love of his life when he was 22. And, and she said, when she breaks up with him, it's going to be so hard because, and she did, you know, a couple years after that, because he didn't have any of the practice. He had never gone through it in high school. He'd never had a crush in earlier yeah to, it's like getting it's like getting the heart. mumps when you're 40 you know and you've never been sick right it's you're supposed to get that when you're a younger person you can survive better and i instead of virginity or your hymen being something that i think needs to be clung to i think what about development of judgment as something that we need to aspire to i mean to develop my judgment so that i pick good people to be involved with that seems to me to be the thing not to avoid making a mistake, it's to to preemptively be more thoughtful. Well, and I do I, I do like her advice about um, talking to a spiritual counselor, talking to a psychologist about this, um, for just that reason. Hopefully, they're going to teach, they're going to talk to her about judgment and about you know how to make good decisions and how not to put all this pressure on herself. Because this implies that if she had slept with that guy with the kids. That her life is over. She just she blew it. She had one gift to give. She gave it to the wrong guy, and now it's done. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and it's a little bit like that old sort um, saying about preachers' kids, how they you know they're always the worst kids in town because <laughs> they they drink the most or and and what the thinking there is, you no, know, you 
don't drink one beer because if you've drunk one beer, then you've really disappointed the Lord and you've sinned greatly. And they're thinking, well, I might as well be hanged, for, hanged for a sheep as for a lamb. I mean, what's the? Why, why should I not drink the whole case if I'm already damned for all time or in such hot water with God? He can't be any matter if I drink two or three or two or three six packs or 12 packs. So, so let me ask you, Stephen. So if she had written that letter to you, Mm. What advice? I don't would... know if I like where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> what advice? What would you have told her? Well, I think I, oh boy, I hadn't even thought about that. Thanks for asking me that one. Jeez, I think I I would have asked her as a good counselor, probably, you know, what being a virgin still meant to her, and I would have played for time. We <laughs> counselors are famous for that. But she's already been saying, rather than feeling my proud of my virginity, I feel ashamed. And I, I guess I'd want to zoom in on what is it she feels ashamed of, because I don't think it's that she still owns a hymen. You well, know? and what does she feel proud of? Yeah, and well, being proud because I haven't succumbed to my sexual lust like other people, like Jackie, <laughs> for example. I, you know, like like so many millions of other American youths, I haven't caved in and casually had sex. And I like the idea of not casually having sex, sure. but I also think as that you know she talks about the guy that she met and she really liked him and she also acknowledges that she can't get him out of her mind she betrays a woeful naivete that isn't solved by maintaining a hymen her naivete about romance and sex and mate selection is really best assuaged through experience and i don't mean necessarily doing it I mean, dating and interviewing people and talking to them about what you need and what you want and what you like. I think as a therapist, I'd be wanting to ask her, I'd be wanting to get a little more sex on the into the discussion by talking to her about her history of masturbation. Because in this very explicit conversation about the hymen, she says nothing about how frequently she masturbates or what, what age she began. And I think coming to acknowledge that she too has sexual needs uh, just like every other sexual being, uh, and that those needs go beyond orgasm because that's what basically masturbation does for you. It gives you some sort of sexual release, but it doesn't doesn't take care of your need for sexual love, does it? No, but it helps you understand what you like. Yeah, and, and how you need to be touched by someone else. Sure. And it also tells you something about how how frequently or how you know you'd like to have sex or at least how much of an appetite you have at at any given moment in your life. So I think I'd want to talk to her about that rather than you go girl hang on to that hymen as long as you need to and yeah that just doesn't really ring true. I remember what my mom said to me um and we did not do the ongoing conversations about sex like you recommend but the one thing she said to me was um I expect you to I expect I don't expect you to wait until you're married to have sex because that would be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> That's very permission giving. She said, but I expect there to be um, mutual respect and responsibility. Wow. Yeah. And you, I was like, okay, I can do that. That You seems, might be the only person in America who ever got that advice. I've, I've given the same advice to my children. Um, and I did. Wow. I, I waited until I was in love. You know, I was 18 years old. I was in love. We had sex. It was responsible and respectful. And, you know, it was amazing and wonderful and giving. Um, wow. Yeah. No, no, 
that sounds so much better than waiting until you're 28 for oh, what you have. Oh, yeah, nothing. <laughs> well, and again, I, I was obviously with somebody else. You know, I was with my husband by 28, um, having had sex with, you know, one or two in between. Um, again, mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to experience. And, and, I'm, and again, with you, I'm not saying that she should go out and just have sex with whoever. But, but is she even having relationships? You know, it's, it sounds like this is the first guy she's ever been on a date with. Yeah, she really does have that that sound if you read between the lines. And I think, you know, when the, as long as we're going to camp out on this, this Dear Abby uh, letter a little bit, I just also think that it's important to talk about religion because so often religion sees itself in being in competition with sexuality because the two, after all, are so much alike. I mean, they both have a... They both are selling us a sense of awe and uh, some sort of meaning in life and an experience that really speaks of the transcendent and takes us out of ourselves in, in a very big way. And for for that, I, th- I can see why there's market competition between the two, but I think there's an unnecessary competition uh, and an unnecessary hostility. However, I've noticed that in many religions, um, since religion is, after all, optional and our sexuality is permanently installed, uh, our religions seem to have a universal problem in failing to prepare believers for managing sexuality intelligently. And someday, you know, I really think we need to do uh, a whole show on that. Yeah, because my mind's going to all these different places right now and you know, okay, make a ex- note. Okay, I have a note. So we've talked about your thing. Can we talk about my thing now? I want to talk about your thing. Okay. So male friendships. Now, okay, so I watched Queer Eye. I thought it was good. This reboot, most reboots don't ever need to be made. This was a reboot that was so superior to the original show. And the original and, was great. Yeah, and the original was okay from, <laughs> from my point of view. But it this one is really great because it looks at men holistically. Mm-hmm. And I love what they do by addressing not just his grooming and his attire, but everything that's going on in his life, his relationships and his behaviors, what he's doing with his wife Overcoming and his girlfriend. His fears, and dealing with the things, figuring out what's holding him back. All of that. And it's, it's very touching and very moving. I think one criticism I've heard is that yeah, but that's not enough. You need more than that. Just you need more than a couple of days with five gay guys to, you know, straighten yourself out. And I think that that's a fair statement to make, but I don't think we need to despise any progress until we have all the progress. I think it's okay to make some changes before we can make all the changes in our lives. And I think they get they get these guys off to great starts whether they're working they're working with a straight guy or a gay guy. There's just so much good stuff that happens. I, d- I double dare any straight guy listening to this to watch one of those shows and not be moved by what you see when men start helping men. And that brings us to the men friends. Thing. Right, right. Because one of them, and I, and I binge watched this. I watched the whole thing, you know, over the course of a week. Um, it was the one, and I can't remember now, but he, the, the man was working, the, they had like five kids and, and he was working two jobs to support the kids and his wife was staying home, um, which you would do with five kids. But, but he said to him, um, how do you dress when you go out on dates with your wife? And the man just kind of went, look, you know, gestured to himself and said like this, he wears jeans. This was the cop. Was he, the he, cop? Was, he was like a highway patrolman and I, he, 
he only wears sports clothes and he dresses in flip-flops and shorts to take his wife out to dinner and and the man said and um this is it this is <laughs> i and i can't i wish i had remembered the man's name from clear eye and he said really so you you don't put any effort into how you look for your wife and he said, well, no, I'm tired. I work, you know, and it was the same man thing. I work hard for her. She knows I love her, right? Because I, I do all these yeah. things. And he said, how does your wife dress for you on your dates? And you just saw the look on the guy's face. And he's like, oh, oh. Yes. You know, and it, it. that's where I think the, the friendship thing, like having friends who will, who will call out their friends on, on a variety of behaviors, but, but on that, just help them see things in a different way. Well, this is one of those things, uh, one of those experiences where you can clearly see the difference between one man confronting another. It has nothing to do, by the way, with orientation. Just one man confronting another versus being nagged by your wife or nagged by your mom or nagged by right. your sister. And because you can be so dismissive of that as a man. She doesn't know what a man is. This is what a man is. And, and I've got this right. She wouldn't be with me if she didn't like me. Just the way I am. And, of course, that's nonsense because uh, most women put up with an awful lot in the <laughs> men that they love. I want to also I, I had a dare for the men to go watch that show, but I also have a kind of a um, gosh, what can I call it? A, a severe storm advisory or a severe romance advisory for women. Any woman out there who considers getting together with a man who doesn't have significant and healthy male friendships is crazy because those male friendships tell you so much about the man that you're so interested in and if his friends aren't helping him to become a better man and I don't mean better by her point of view but just a better man objectively speaking kinder more loving more generous more caring and and if if we're not getting inspired to be a more of a stand-up guy who's more true to his word, if we're not being inspired to grow beyond where we are, then we really don't have friends. We have drinking buddies. We have work buddies. But we don't really have friends who are like brothers to us. Well, and you see so often when um, women, when you get in a relationship with a man and you want all of him. And, and you, you don't want him to have friends of his own. You want him to spend all of his time with you. And why does he need these other people? Why does he need to go out drinking with them when he could be home with me type of thing? And, and I agree with you. And, I, and I, this is something I've had to learn as I've gotten older is when I start to date somebody, I will look at his friends. And you can tell a lot about a person by, by the people they choose to spend their time with. Yeah. You know, and another big thing that really applies to women having friends as well is that you know, when I get together with the woman I love, I want to be her boyfriend. I, I have zero aspiration of being her, her best, new, best new girlfriend. Right. And so she's going to need girlfriends with whom she can speak as women speak to women and not be judged and be really understood. But he needs the same thing in the world of men to be able to share things as a man with other men and to be... Well, first and, and foremost, to be understood, to be understood apart from how does this threaten our relationship? What is this meaning about us? Are you trying to tell me something? Uh, and we get to skip all that. And there's a as much as I love and adore my wife, I have to say there is a palpable sense of relief when I settle into the company of my men friends. 
it's like, oh. So, so tell me about that. Is it, is it that you can, is it that you can put your hands down your pants and burp and fart? And I mean, it's obviously more than that, right? I mean, what is it about? What's the well, comfort? I'm not even going with that. I mean, <laughs> you say more than that. I, <laughs> actually, I don't, I don't think I've ever done that in my life so with like my male sitcom, friends. It's not like the sitcom show. You're saying it's different than TV. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely different from watching a bunch of hogs out in a corral somewhere <laughs> wallowing in the mud. It's, yeah, I think, well... I have, I believe very strongly for myself, at least in rituals, because I'm a bit of a workaholic. It's really easy for me to come straight home after I work and hang out at home because I'm a homebody. And I set up rituals where I have appointments to join my friends for meals. And I have a friend I've had breakfast with for the last 15 years. I have another friend who comes over to my house for dinner and has for the last 24 years. And still another friend, uh, we get together for lunch and that's a new one. And we've only been doing that less than a year. So for me, all these weekly touches, um, you know, touching base with my friends that is, are so important because they ground me. They remind me who I am. They remind me who I want to be as a man. And then I get to be more, my more authentic self when I'm talking to my wife. That's what I was just going to ask you is, is having these male, um, this male companionship, that sounds wrong, um, that your male friends who are actual friends, like you said, not drinking buddies. Yeah, not, like brothers. Like brothers, um, makes your relationship, your romantic relationship better. Absolutely. And I think the same is true for women who have women friends. In fact, I would, you know, I, I playfully was daring women to not ever get involved with a guy who didn't have friends. And and the reason there is we have so many emotional needs. And I believe at her very best, a wonderful woman can at her very best only be a wonderful part of an otherwise wonderful life. She cannot be my entire social support network because like one of those old Hollywood movies, I need a supporting cast of thousands. <laughs> well, you. <yeah. laughs> I have needs. <laughs> and and I need people to uh, puncture my swollen ego. I need guys who help me get more real. I need guys to really take care of me in ways that no one woman ever could. And I think women are in the same place where they have a multitude of needs and no one guy can ever meet those needs. In fact, we're even supposed to be sharing our lives together, right? Mm -hmm. How do you share a life with one another if you don't have a life? If I'm nothing without her and she goes out of my life and I have nothing and I'm all alone and I don't know how to be with myself, then I really don't have a life. It's only when I have a life that I can share one and my friends help me build that life that is worth living and ultimately worth sharing. Well, and one of the things that you've talked about before, um, I think you might have written a column about it, is learning intimacy skills. Yeah. And if you don't have friends to to build those skills with. Well, think about it this way. If, and this brings us back to the virginity. Yeah, well, what's hard, <laughs> what is more challenging? Friendship, which is a very intimate relationship if we're gonna be talking about inner circle friends, or romance that's truly successful and sustainable. Well, obviously friendship is easier because it's the same kind of intimacy, but 
missing the very challenging aspects of romance and sex. And oh yeah, it's not with a person of a different gender typically. Uh, and so we're going to try to have, I think it makes more sense for everybody to have same gender relationships that are friendships because that's kind of like the kindergarten of what it is we're looking for in our romantic sexual relationships. Even if even if I'm gay and I'm interested in men sexually, I need platonic relationships in order to get ready for my romantic relationships. So yeah, without that and without that developmentally, I just don't think most of us are ever going to get there. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I know that in my past, um, maybe some of my relationships where the man didn't have his own friends, um, I wasn't worried about it because I have plenty of friends for the both of us. <laughs> and, uh, the problem is <laughs> in the divorce, she in the property settlement, she gets all the friends and they all leave with her. And then he's left all alone again. And I, I just think in terms of the litmus test of really getting to know another person and to know if they're right for you. If you hate all of his friends, if you hate all of her friends, you're with the wrong person because people's friends are a huge reflection of who they are. And I think it says a lot of good things about the relationship if you really like their friends and you're able to enjoy them. They don't have to become your friends, but to at least appreciate them and enjoy them as human beings I think that's important. You know, one last thing before we close, mm -hmm. I want to bring up this word platonic because in the thousands of clients I've had over my career, most people don't understand the notion of what, what a platonic relationship can be. And what we mean when we say platonic is a relationship that's free of the animal passions. And if you're a man who likes women, it's just not possible to be friends. I know that's a controversial statement. I'll oh, probably so you have always to do... want to start a whole new thing <laughs> right at the end. Well, we'll we'll address that in another in another time. But I, it's every time I've ever talked to a guy, he said, "No, no, no. We it's platonic now. We did that. <laughs> we already hit that long time ago, and that's not platonic. It's and and it's well, I think we need to do another uh, little discussion. Yeah, I'll write this down in our notes. And uh, anybody who's listening, please watch Queer Eye. And uh, <laughs> you know, you'll notice it's not Queer Eye for the straight guy anymore because sometimes they are gay guys that they're yes. helping, which I think is also great. So thank you so much for listening. Stephen, thank you for another delightful conversation. Yeah. What should they do if they want to uh, They can us. tweet us at Stephen Ng MFT. All right, Eden. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye, Jackie. Thank you for listening to Just Ask Ing. If you have questions for Stephen Ng, please tweet us at Stephen Ng MFT.